Hi there, Jeff Watts here, and welcome to another special episode of the Agile Podcast. This is for our higher tier patrons only, and it was a little bit of a gamble. So Paul and I decided to take a risk because we were in different, not just different places, but different countries. I was up in Hull in Yorkshire in the north of England, while Paul was in Amsterdam in the Netherlands. But we got together in some pubs with some relatively stable Wi-Fi, and a little bit of background noise to discuss Paul's experiences of co-training with a CST wannabe. So someone who'd applied uh, to Paul and asked for his help in helping them become a certified scrum trainer. So Paul was reflecting on day one of that experience, what it's like. He's done it before, comparing it to the past and how it causes him to reflect on his courses and perhaps whether he's become a little bit lazy. Anyway, we really hope you enjoy it. You're having a great summer or winter, I suppose, in the Southern Hemisphere. And we will be back again with another episode very soon. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Cheers, first. Yeah. Cheers. 100% remote. What's the, what's, the, what's the Dutch for cheers? I should know that, shouldn't I? I don't know. I'm terrible with Dutch. Oh, I, don't, I don't know what the Yorkshire cheers is. <laughs> so where, let's tell our listeners where we are. As people might have guessed, I, I'm in Holland. I'm in the Netherlands, in a, a little place called Amsterdam. In the Schmokkenpanker. I might have, just to please you, I might have a pancake when I go home tonight. Just because I didn't, after dinner, I didn't have pudding. Really? Yeah, it's not like you. So I, uh, I skipped pudding, but I might treat myself to a, a pancake. But I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to have a smoke. Don't worry, I'm not going to have a smoke. Oh, what are you drinking? This is, well, you might be surprised to know, in Holland they don't do a lot of cider. They don't, <laughs> they, they don't have thatches on tap here. Um, so I'm in a little a bar called, there's actually a, a restaurant called uh, Cannibal, Cannibal, Cannibal Royale. I'll show you the glass. Can you see that? Can you see that? And I'm drinking a pint. That's not a pint, is it? It's less than that. This is called Makaturara. Makaturara. Which is... It's an IPA. You'll be very Mm -hmm. impressed with me. It's an IPA. But I bought it on the strength that it said milkshake IPA. That's the only reason I bought it. I had a milkshake IPA. How is it? It's nice, actually. It's quite good. It's six percent, Jeff. It's quite strong. Mm-hmm. Um, Homebrew 2021 winner. 
Makatara. There we are. What about you? What have you got? I've got a Belgian beer. It's the closest I can get to a Dutch beer. Belgian beer? Yeah. Nice. Strong? Not particularly. No. Um, This is my third, so I had an 8% struggle. This is now a 4.8. I'm slowing down. Okay. Pacing yourself. I I was waiting for you, so I... <laughs> so yeah, this is a lot nicer. I had a Le earlier on, which is very nice. You had a what? This is Le Chouf. Le Chouf. Oh, it's very nice. Oh, this, is, um, this is more like a vice beer, this one. It's yeah. A Trappist. This one is very nice. Well yeah, deserved mine. after a long day. What have you been doing today? What have you been up to? I had uh, three one-to-one coaching sessions and then a team coaching session on uh, coaching up. Yeah. Very good. You? I've been co-teaching today. Okay. A uh, CST, potential CST applicant uh, looked me up and uh, wanted to co-teach with me, so I said yes. Um, and you're always she... giving back, What? You're always giving back. Yeah. Uh, cornerstone the community, I am, Jeff. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so she's uh, the lady who's running the course, who's invited me over to co-train. So it's largely her course. I'm just kind of adding a bit of side commentary. Um, yeah, and that's uh, that's what I've been up to today. Two day one done today, day two tomorrow. And so, public course, or yeah, public course for uh, all, all from the Netherlands, all Dutch companies, yeah, but it's been, obviously it's being taught in English. She would normally teach in Dutch, so um, she's having okay. to, she's, she's a little bit more slower than she would be because she's having to speak in English, which is not her not her native tongue. Oh, you've muted, Jeff. And deliberately, that was. Okay. Uh, how, is it, how is it being a, a co-trainer? First time for a while, I imagine, with CSM. Yeah, a bit, a bit strange. Um, but it... It brought back a lot of well, memories, I suppose, but it was, it's kind of CSM. It's the first time I've co-trained a CSM for a long, long time. Um, brought, back mem- brought me back to the BT days of uh, where we first started out. And uh, kind of, and uh, this, this lady who I was co-training with was asking me for, for my feedback. And I was thinking about, you know, the first courses that we ran and, and Nigel ran and, how much we were kind of making up as we went along, and yeah, it was, it was, it was, in, it was. She asked, she asked me a question actually when I when we finished today. She said, "What made you, what made me get into training?" Because she was trying to look at it through um, through her lens as to what what got me started. And I have, had a couple of drinks, so I was a bit, perhaps a bit more uh, a bit more philosophical about it. And um, I think it was for me, it was what got me into training was was co-training i was only really 
Um, I was at my happiest, I think, when I was co-teaching, when I was collaborating, when I had a, uh, a partner on stage. And a little bit of that. Why are you well, I think a little bit of that came out today. I that I, I feel that I'm at my best really when I'm when I'm not on my own. <laughs> when I'm when I'm in a partnership or in, a, in some kind of team situation, it's kind of how why I got why I thrive so much in team sports and team environments that I feel I'm at my best when I'm when the spotlight isn't on me. And I think I, I'm contributing to making someone else look good. And whether I did whether I did that today or not, I fulfilled my brief of, of making uh, my co-trainee look good. But that's what I try and do is, is to try and um, it's not about me. It's not all about me. That's what I try and do. Was that explicit? That was the intention for you to be there? Yeah, I suppose it was. Um, I, she asked me to introduce myself at the beginning and, and before we. We did have a bit of a planning session before this, so we knew how we were going to break up. It's largely her, her course, but um, she, I said to her, I, I'm happy to run with her agenda, with her content and with her um, slides. And I will, if I see an opportunity to add colour commentary, um, I'll do it. Or add, add a side, you know, an interesting anecdote, I'll add it. But I was conscious that I wasn't going to, you know, step on her toes because it's largely about her, really. It's a, a chance for her to showcase her talent rather than me to, to steal the limelight with it. Showcase to you. Say again? To showcase her talent to you. Well, yeah, but I suppose, yeah, she's looking for recommendations. She's looking for feedback. But um, I think it's a chance to show show off to your audience to yeah to, to, to me to support I'm, I'm just made the support act um so, so I you I give feedback at the end of day one yeah i did today yeah um in a general sense about things that she could how she i think she could add to her offering and add to her um become a better applicant in that respect did you get together beforehand and plan where things were going to go? Yeah, we had a session last this time last week. Just she walked through the um, her two days with me, so I could I know I knew when I'd be able to add something and what, what how long I could add, add add that something for without ruining you know how long the time boxes were for various things. So. Um, yeah, she, she's fulfilled that requirement in terms of she's, she's taught 90, 90% of the course. It's her course. Um, I'm just merely there as, a, as the endorsing trainer in that sense. So. Were there times when you felt an urge to intervene and you fought that urge? There was. There was a time when I felt I could add something here. Um, but I was a lot more conscious than normal. For instance, if I was co-training with you, I would probably been a bit more bullish and just interrupted you. Oh, well, maybe not. Maybe I would have put my hand up. I was, I was, I was much more conscious today of waiting until she'd finished and really finished speaking. So there was a moment of quiet before I 
then put my hand up, got her, got her attention, and added something. So I was, I was trying to be quite polite in that sense. Why? Well, because it's you know it's her agenda. It's her. Um, it's her. I want to make her look good in that respect. I don't want to steamroll her. It's not my character. It's not my. Uh, it's not the way I get. Not the way I roll. So, at what point, theoretically, hypothetically, at what point would you definitely intervene? Um, I would. Well, I've had this. I've had situations before with other co-training -tra co experiences where I've intervened in a in a way in a respect in what I, in a respectful way and we yeah me and you do this a lot so we will say that you will say something like i know paul will disagree with me on this or that paul might have a different perspective to me on this uh, because that's because we know each other but when you don't know that person you might hear that for the first time you i might listen fully and say um i might put my hand up again i put my hand up um and I'd offer an alternative perspective, like um, by introducing it by saying, there might be an alternative way to look at this or an alternative way to think about this, um, which, and in, a, a from a different perspective without, I think, because I've, I've been in situations before when it's become obvious that the audience, the, the students have become aware where the two trainers are in disagreement and it, in a training course like a CSM course, that can be quite dangerous if, if your trainers disagree on a fundamental concept. And that's happened to me before. And the feedback has come after the course that the, the course attendees noticed it and didn't like it. So I'm, I'm perhaps more aware of that now that I think I would disagree more openly off stage rather than on stage. What do you expect? to be agreement on the fundamentals of the CSM was being taught. I wouldn't I wouldn't expect there to be, no. Or do you think they should be? I think I think you're more likely to see alternatives in a, in a more advanced course where there are new more nuances in play. Yeah, so that's what I mean. So for a CSM I I would be surprised if there were disagreements around the fundamentals. Yeah. I'm trying to think that there's something that came up today. Just just little things that were mentioned like on Somebody asked, should a product owner attend a retrospective? And I can see, now me being the dipl diplomatic me, would think, oh, I can see opportunities and reasons why you might want a product owner there, but I, equally I can see reasons why you might not want a product owner there in that retrospective. And the, the question was answered in, a, in quite a blunt way, saying, no, they should be there. But I didn't... For right or wrong, I didn't push that. I didn't. I didn't offer an alternative at that point because I didn't think it was toxic. I didn't think it would would necessarily cause issues. It wasn't. It wasn't for me. That's not bad scrum. It's not. It's not um, potentially risky in that way. It's a fair line to draw. Yeah. I think you've got to be more careful, certainly with with students that are learning in a, you know. They're learning, these students are learning to drive. They're not, they're not practitioners, they're, they're learners. So you've got to be a bit more aware of 
are perhaps errors that you might introduce unnecessarily. Any any interesting insights in the class today? Um, I think it was it was interesting to see how different. I, I can't really talk from a attendee's perspective, but it was certainly interesting to you put your own CSM class under the lens when you watch someone else's, and um, I know that you, we've spoken about this recently. That all of a sudden you you it, you know, you don't see things done that the way that you would do them. And sometimes that irks me a bit, thinking, well, no, I think I could do that better. No, I think, I think my way is definitely better doing that. And you find yourself sometimes giving advice, which is just not necessarily advice, but it's you want to say how you do it. And I do this off stage, but I would say, well, when I do this game, I actually do this and I introduce this rule. It's not wrong. It's not. It's not right either. But it's um, sometimes I I don't have to today a couple of times I had to double check myself, thinking, well, you know, your way isn't the only way. Paul. And um, there are different ways that you can get the same point across. And I suppose it just made me think a bit deeper about my CSM thinking. You know, is it is it, is it really as good as I think it is? Questions me. Question myself. I find it interesting that you, you refer to being on stage a lot. Well, I'll tell you why. Um, because the, the lady who I'm co-training with um, made contact with me because of the improv work that I've done. So she's a former stage director. So she, she used to work in a theatre and she, she loves the parallels between theatre production and agile development so we have a we have a, a, a common interest so we were just talking now at dinner before i came out here about the similarities and she refers to we both referred to being on stage and some of the similarities there and, and um, the whole the theory of iterative production in theater so all the way back to when you when you first read through a play or a, a movie the actors will sit down and just read the script in its entirety, start to finish. There's no acting involved. You're just reading the script, but it's your first iterative feedback loop on the play. And she was saying that many plays don't make it past the read-through. If they're poor, or if the director doesn't think they're worth pursuing, they stop and they think, that's it, you know, that's the feedback we needed. It's not worth pursuing, move on to something else. So there's a lot of- Fail fast. Yeah. yeah. And that, that, that mantra and that, that theory comes through quite a lot on the stage. So, um, yeah, I'm not a massive fan of being on the stage. Um, and there was this real um, awkward dance this morning. This is, this is a funny story like this, about where I, I should dance. A little, uh, uh, about where I should sit um, or stand. So I was doing that kind of awkward, should I stand up or sit down? Should I be at the side or the back? Um, and then the lady who was teaching with Yona brought the uh, a chair in. She said, here's a chair for you, Paul. And she said, she didn't know where to put the chair. It was that awkward like thing like, well, should I put it here? Do you want to sit here? And I went, I don't know. I don't know where, where do you want me to sit here? Should, I feel like I should be here. Um, and this awkward kind of, and I, I, to be honest, I didn't, I put the seat in one place, but I didn't stay on it. I moved around. And then there was an awkward, who sits on the stool? So she had like quite a nice stool. I thought I'd, I'd take a look, I quite fancy a stool. 
Um, <laughs> and she, uh, you, I know you, you like a stool as well, Jeff. So um, oh, yeah, yeah. it was a cushioned stool. I thought, oh, but then she, then she, there was a little bit of eye contact where it quite became quite clear that that was her stool, and she didn't necessarily, she didn't really use it, but she wanted, she didn't want me to have it. So um, yeah, it was a, a funny kind of standoff at that point. But yeah, I, I, uh, I went for the the guide on the side rather than sage on the stage today. I moved to the back. I took some seats, a seat at the back for a bit. I stood at the back. Um, so yeah, it was interesting. Interesting. Uh, I'm I'm conscious of even that when I'm thinking about. I don't I don't like being in the spotlight. I don't like. I don't like being. I'm happy to be the support act. I'm happy to be the um, the Stan Laurel to to the Oliver Hardy. I'm happy to be the Ernie Wise to the Eric Morgan. Okay. Well, I didn't consider those acts. No, I know, I know. I know. It's not really support acts, it's double acts, isn't it? But um, I'm happy to be the uh, Manic Street Preachers to the Killers on Thursday. How about that? <laughs> yeah. 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 Support actors, such but they are in that context. Yeah, yeah, they are the undercard. But um, no, I think it's different with co-training because I think, and I spoke about this today. I, I think co-training provides a richer experience, training experience, and for for commercially, for a, as a as an independent scrum trainer like like ourselves, it doesn't make a lot of business sense to to co-train all the time. Because, brute, you know, mercy, from a mercenary point of view, you make more money if you're if you're the only person on stage. That's true. Look at look at Ed Sheeran. Um, Ed Sheeran makes doesn't have to pay a support uh, a supporting band. He makes all the music himself. True. Um, but I think personally, I think that students audiences get a richer more rounded, more uh, alternative, so, well, just different perspective, different viewpoints from different styles and different, um, and just surely it's more variety. There's more variety in the teaching and, and styles, as long as they're complementary. And um, I think the two, the two trainers on stage or uh, on stage on, in the course have to gel, have to connect, have to, not really have to gel, but have to connect over something. Compliment. Oh, I think I'm sure. Well, I know we have discussed, I'm not sure whether it's been on here, but how actually disagreeing can be a rich experience for the class because they get to see different perspectives and the fact that you know, there probably is more than one good answer. Yeah. Yeah. I think too many people take word of an educator is gospel and don't question it enough or look past the theory mm. yeah that is true that is true um especially like saying some of the more nuanced material around what should you do if this happens um we don't we, don't, we like firm answers we want probably we want to know definitives but especially in in complex environments, there, are, like I said, there's, like you said, there's more than one right answer. So, yeah. 
So is this the first of a couple of co-trainings that you're doing, or a one-off? We haven't really discussed that yet. So um, the way it's going, I'm imagining there will be, I think, at least one more opportunity to um, to co-teach. She's quite early on in that journey, so she's only got a couple of other co-training experiences. She's done a lot of co-training herself, but um, she's uh, quite quite early on in that journey. So I'm, I'm imagining there might be might be more. Do you have a sort of standard approach to it? Structure. No, I wouldn't say there is a standard. I think it depends on how well. Good question. I think it depends on how well I know or I I feel that connection in the in that person. Like me and you, for instance, we don't we don't prep at all these days. We're lazy. We just you I, you turn up. We we turn up. You say, "Paul, what are we doing next?" And I tell you. And then, and then we do it. Um, so, but obviously, with with this stuff, I have to prepare a bit more. I don't know if there's, if there's a certain thing. So how, well, how did you get from an inquiry to day one? I don't, um, an inquiry, an email that then spawned a phone conversation or a Zoom conversation, and then a Zoom conversation created a connection. Um, and for, on the strength of that common interest, I think I, I, uh, it's, it's weird, it's weird. It is weird because we'd never met before. So it wasn't like it was a, someone I met at a conference years ago. This was someone I'd never met before until six months ago. So, um, I think we just had a common, I saw that we could probably have a good conversation about something around this stuff that was that was interesting to me. Hand, handed to my interests. You're on mute, can't you? So you just agreed to have a, a one-off co-training with no, no plan? Oh, no, no, no. No, no, no. She, um, I, we met over Zoom and then I offered a, her a, free place on my CSM course, mainly for so she could see if I, so I felt like she deserves to see if I'm worth investing in as a, you know, as a potential um, co-trainer that if, if I don't necessarily say the things that she agrees with or teach in a style that she agrees with, um, she might not want to co-train with me. So, um, she attended that session for the for a couple of days. On the strength of that, we we uh, decided to for me to see or to me to. I, I very much wanted. I didn't really want to observe an online course. I don't think I'd be a, a fair judge of her as a trainer online. So I kind of insisted that I, I saw her face to face, and that's why I'm here today. What, what parallels can you draw to uh, a regular scrum team in front of this co-training experience? Well, I just think, I think pairing is important. I think, um, I think there's, a, there's, a, there's an amount that you can do in isolation. There's an amount that you can get done on your own 
you know, stick your headphones on and, and knuckle down. I think there's always a place for that. But I think there's a a whole part of the scrum team ethos that I miss, which is just working with people, which is just being able to run an idea up that flagpole and, and see and see what sticks and, and riff. It's a phrase that um, improvisers use a lot. Just 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 riff off an idea, and th there isn't a lot of time to do that in a very time box course like a CSM course. But I think the scrum team, scrum teams that will, you know, decide to off off the cuff sit. Should we go and whiteboard this now? If someone's stuck on a problem, let's go and can I grab you and a coffee and can we go and whiteboard this? Or can I grab you and you? Can we go and whiteboard this? I think that's the strength of a great scrum team is is being is that informality to running ideas past each other and collaborating around solutions. That's what I miss. That's what I need. When you say pairing in an agile team, you're talking about pair programming or something bigger than that? I don't think it has to be just be pair programming. Um, I think it can be um, pods, it can be like designers, and, sorry, developers and testers um, working on the same solution. I think it can be, I think it can be mob programming. Literally the whole team sits down with a whiteboard and works something out together. Um, I think it can be code review. I think it can be um, feedback. It doesn't even have to be, you know, it can be just practicing, just reward, you know, thanking someone at the end of the day for the work that they've done for them. It can be anything like that. It can be a retrospective. I don't think it has to stop at programming. We've seen uh, some good pairing between product owners and scrum masters in the past. The scrum well, yeah. masters pairing with product owners and stakeholder meetings and things like that. I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because there's a there's almost a expected and a planned conflict that you'd expect product owners and scrum masters to have to. They were, they were supposed to be the, the two flip sides of that coin, weren't they? That product owners are driving forward, increasing value and, and, and profit and commercial, you know, commercial, commercially driving a product, but Scrum Masters are potentially slowing down and, and they've got one eye on, on morale and, and longevity of the team and sustainability. But yeah, I, I think equally, you'd want to think that they can be, at some points they can be sworn enemies, but you know, if 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 needed, they would back. They would absolutely back each other up to the you know to, to the hilt if they needed to in a, in a in a in a where where the team or a dis, especially if a decision needed to be backed, you would hope that one would back the other up and you know repeat the same message for the same reasons. Absolutely, debate internally and support externally. Oh. I am. Um, I remember one conflict between Scrum Master, when I worked at Nokia, one conflict between a particular Scrum Master and a particular product owner. And it led to quite a falling out, but that actually, it forged them stronger together, but then they did, they, they almost respected why they disagreed and they became more 
united on the back of it because they learned a bit about what they respected and they sat through and they talked about it a few days later and their, 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 their kind of belief in each other grew as a result of that of that conflict i think it's quite a healthy thing to might be difficult to and i was i was an, a, a scrum master observing it from another team i didn't get involved as such but it was it was quite difficult to watch but they worked through it the two of them worked through it together and they came better out because of it yeah i, I think that's a that's a, bit, that was a conversation that came up today about being able to really say it as you see it be able to put your point of view forward and not just swallow it up and pretend that you don't have an opinion debate discuss challenge question and then once you've worked it through come to a decision and then back each other on it yeah there was a, an interesting um, cultural reference today and I, I, I'm not going to try and even second guess what the word was in Dutch but we were, they were talking about Roman voting so Roman voting yes no whatever and um, they talked about compromise so they were trying to decide on the length of a break so basically the vote the decision was thumbs up if you think it should be five minutes for the break thumbs down if you think it should be 10 minutes or in the middle if you think it should be uh, seven minutes i think it was and literally nobody put seven no one chose seven minutes it was it was literally a halfway it was half the team thought five minutes half the team thought 10 minutes and um yona the trainer said to me this is very much a dutch thing now what now what we will do culturally that is accepted is pick the compromise even though everyone will be unhappy but we know that's the thing to do so like compromise is kind of accepted as as what what what's yeah, acceptable rather than debate this for too long Which, so they'll be happily unhappy yeah happily unhappy yeah happily unhappy and that's fine i think yeah but we always say that co compromise is normally a, a a weak standpoint though because no one's voted for seven minutes it is, and that's a great example because it's rare that you get nobody having been going to that one, but um, it's uh, arguably would have been much better to have heard the arguments, but by the time you've heard it all out, you'd have lost your break time. Yeah, so yeah. in that situation, everyone's happy with, okay, well, it's, it's no big no big deal. Yeah, It's 50-50, either someone's going to be unhappy or we're all going to be mildly unhappy, so that's probably fine. Yeah. Utilitarianism, in a way, yeah. Another nice thing that came out today, which I thought was, was quite um, quite funny and quite amusing and also quite um, useful was, um, so Yona, the trainer, was setting up, she spent quite a bit of time setting up training agreements at the beginning of the class, which is something I don't do. Um, did I? I, I think I've got lazy. I've got very lazy. But, um, so she, she spent quite a bit of time saying, break times, this is what happens, uh, turn your phones off, that type of thing. I still do that, but probably not in quite so much detail. And then she said um, she had, she brought out a little um, Sesame Street uh, character, a little fluffy character. And she said, we need a way that we can, um, if we find ourselves going around in circular discussions, we need a way that you can 
anyone could get us out of that and basically tell me or Paul to shut up and or tell anyone to shut up respectfully, but, but you know, we, we're going around in circles here. So she brought out this little furry red Sesame Street character that we will know as Elmo. 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 But Elmo stands for enough, let's move on. So I love that. I never heard that before. I thought that's a brilliant idea. So she said, anyone can grab Elmo or just shout Elmo, which means enough, let's move on. I thought that was brilliant. Never heard that. Very good. So yeah, you learn talking, every, every, talking every enough, I'm empty. <laughs> right, mate. I'm nearly there. I've had my milkshake IPA. Milkshake IPA. What's the world coming to? <laughs> there we go. I'm, I'm not. I wish that. I wish. I wish that the pint of Stouffer's first. There we are. It's not going to happen here, is it? No. All right, we'll have a, have a good second day. Will do, mate. It's been, it's uh, been a joy. Have a, have a fun night out in Amsterdam. And uh, I'll see you soon. Cheers, Jeff. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.